Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 6.03 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 29th of September, 2020. This is episode 295 of Bitcoin, and it appears Crypto Charles, also known as Charles the ETH, uh, apparently got deleted from Rarible.com. <laughs> yeah, Rarible's, you know, uh, the whole NFT shit. Yeah, they deleted his account, man. Looking at his, uh, looking at his screenshot of the error message when he was trying to log in and it says, oops, user or collection with this address does not exist or service temporarily unavailable. Now he says, or somebody said, well, you know, it's probably just temporary, but apparently Charles the ETH has been trying to break into his rareable account for over a week. So again, fair warning, consider yourself fairly warned. Dealing with any of this stuff is going to get your ass hurt. DeFi, NFT, everybody apparently is bored as hell with the Bitcoin price. So they're chasing after, I don't even know if they're chasing after gains or they're chasing after adrenaline. I, I honestly can't tell. I'd almost say that it's the latter, that their people are chasing after adrenaline because they're bored AF, man. Stuck in their house for months. They've been into crypto for long enough that they know how to get themselves into trouble. Here comes DeFi and then NFT right on its heels and Crypto Charles gets all of his shit taken away. I actually, I'm not exactly sure what Crypto Charles or Charles the ETH, uh, I don't know if he's a, a complete ether head or if he's just a troll. I don't know, but I actually rather enjoy some of his tweets. So there are some people that are in my Twitter feed that are shit coiners. I keep them there for a couple of reasons. One some of them are really entertaining and I'm not talking because they're dumb. I'm talking because they're actually really witty, right? The other reason is, is I got to keep my nose, you know, my ear to the ground on what the hell's going on. So again, not your keys, not your coins. And none of this new shit really offers you the ability to keep your own keys as we will see later on in today's show. But first let's start with this bald guy named Brian Armstrong. So, Okay, if you were anywhere close to the drama yesterday, and there was, God, there was a lot of drama. There was the Charles Armstrong drama that was dying out right as the fire was being kindled for the great, oh God, who was it? Corey Clipston and uh, Stock to Flow guy, 100 million or 100 trillion USD about the uh, Stock to Flow thing. And that's... That was very, that was kind of upsetting, man. So if you watch that, that's too bad. I tried to stay out of it as, as much as I possibly could. I, for those that don't know, the stock to flow model is a model that this guy from, uh, what does say? He's from the Netherlands, I think, or, or yeah, Dutch, I'm pretty sure. 
<coughs> is tracking the Bitcoin price versus its availability or rather it's, you know, how much is being produced on a daily basis. It kind of like looked at stock to flow of gold, silver, other commodities and came up with this chart that suggests this really high price for Bitcoin. Some people are, you know, are pissed about it and other people are like ecstatic about it because it says $500,000 per Bitcoin and sometime in the future, not, not all that far, but far enough away that you got to do something else for a living. Um, Corey Clipson's really pissed off about that particular model. And they got drawn into shit that ended up apparently with Corey doxing uh, part of the identity of uh, the stock to flip or a hundred trillion USD guy uh, by saying something about the year of his undergrad. I'm not sure. I don't give a shit. But for those that are so pissed off about the existence of this model, calm the F down. Honestly, dude, it's just a model. Anytime somebody presents you a chart, that says, oh, hey, here's these crossing things and the 200, you know, moving day average and blah, blah, blah. That's a model. It's not like exactly a model, but it might as well be. And if you're going to get pissed about stock to flow, then you got to get pissed off at every single chart that every single chartist puts up ever because they're all models in some form, way, shape, or fashion. And just because somebody puts their ideas in the form of a chart doesn't mean that you should get all bent out of shape over it. I, I get what Corey was saying in so far that it could lead newbies down a, a primrose path to wreckage. And I get that, but geez, man, that shit, all that shit between both of those guys was completely freaking uncalled for. So y'all get y'all shit together. Now the other drama was this whole bald headed Brian Armstrong Coinbase crappy company has drawn a line in the sand for its activist employees. Yay. I just love it when companies put, it's like you can't get away from activism. Either you tried to put the kibosh on it or you're writing statements about BLM when really all you should be doing is focused, being focused on your business. Now it's, it's got to the point that people are actively scanning for companies that have not put out a statement on all the BS that's going on in the world and attacking them. So I'm not exactly sure how I should think about the the Coinbase thing, but let's see what Pete Paschal has to say about this. He's writing it for Coindesk uh, sometime today. You might call it taking a stand by not taking a stand. Brian Armstrong, CEO of Coinbase, took a strong stance against employee-driven corporate activism over the weekend, explaining that, quote, going forward, his company would be mission-focused, put a tie on the suit speak. That means Coinbase will devote all of its attention to achieving the goal, creating infrastructure for the crypto economy, but will eschew any kind of activism and will not take a stand on policy or societal issues that go beyond that mission. And if it was anybody but Brian Armstrong saying this, I'd be already applauding, but let's continue. It's not that those issues aren't important and don't need solving, Armstrong says, but that Coinbase's best shot at making the world the world a better place is by achieving its central mission. It's clear that Armstrong's post comes in response to some kind of employee movement at Coinbase rather than pressure from the outside. He explains how he recently re <clears throat> realized some employees believe Coinbase's world-changing mission means the firm should actively push forward other ways to improve the world. Now that he's taken this stance, though, he has very politely told those people to F off. I mean, I'm sorry, told those people to be activists on their own time 
or find another job. Okay. This is actually kind of kind of encouraging here. What's also clear is that Armstrong believes he's far from alone among his C-suite peers, not just at Coinbase or in the crypto industry, but among executive teams across corporate America. By sharing his position publicly, Armstrong obviously hopes it resonates and catches on, perhaps lighting the spark of some kind of backlash to the cultural movement that has, among other things, seen Scientific American take a position on the presidential race for the first time in its 175-year history. Yeah, that was an embarrassing thing to see. And Armstrong is probably right to think so. Although barely any other CEOs responded to his post, several influencers chimed in their support. To be fair, the odds were skewed in his favor. Big chunks of the crypto community, generally known to favor libertarianism and pseudonymity, would certainly feel affinity to Armstrong's leave-me-out-of-it position. Of course, there was no shortage of people calling out Armstrong for taking a position that doesn't go against the grain of a trend sweeping companies throughout America, but it's fundamentally cowardly and on the wrong side of history. Ultimately, it will push away talent, critics says, or say, since it will set the wrong tone with exactly the kind of employees that they should want. Oh, God. Many workers feel empowered and potentially more productive when they're allowed to speak out on causes. How? Time will tell who is right with respect to Coinbase, but Armstrong's stances. Such a line in the sand in today's culture that bigger questions are at stake. Coinbase isn't just a darling of the crypto industry poised for an IPO. It's a tech company based in Silicon Valley, ground zero for exactly the kind of employee activism Armstrong is eschewing. While many corporations make donations to righteous causes or respond to the cultural zeitgeist with message-based marketing, tech companies have seen employees take strong positions in recent years to pressure their employers to do what they believe is the right thing. What? Continuously sign your check? Because that's all you should give a shit about. Continuing on, thousands of Google employees staged a walkout in 2018 over how the company handled sexual harassment allegations. Amazon workers continuously speak out against the company, making its facial recognition technology available to law enforcement. And Facebook's employees are so emboldened that they directly, they're directly critical of CEO Mark Zuckerberg in public platforms. Armstrong even named <clears throat> name checks Facebook and Google in his Medium post, pointing to those companies' internal strife as an indicator of sapped productivity. The company I really think he's thinking about, however, is Spotify, whose employees are openly revolting over podcaster Joe Rogan's arrival on the platform, demanding new safeguards be put in place over potentially objectionable, con- objectionable content. This is where the comparison between Coinbase and the strife within the tech industry starts to break down. It's one thing for a crypto exchange to take a, an apolitical stance and another for a communications platform where speech information and the handling of those things are the company's core competency to do so. But that's exactly the point. Armstrong's position isn't a message to Silicon Valley heavy, heavyweights to turn back the clock on employee wokeness. It's an open letter to every other corporate leader urging them to connect the dots between the political positions they might be taking and the central mission of their companies. And if that if the result is a picture that they don't like, you should probably rethink it. I'm not naive in today's world where every day seems to bring a new tragedy or flashpoint that raises the cultural temperature even more. That's a hard thing to do. All right, so after reading that, I'm... A little bit less pissed off at Brian Armstrong. Well, not pissed off. I'm always going to be pissed off at Brian for being on the wrong side of the 
Segwit to to X Fork, but at least he's showing some spine, and that's always a good sign, right? So let's talk about the dark net of Dunkin' Donuts gift cards. Peter Chihuahua is writing this for Bitcoin Magazine sometime. What yesterday? Coin Flip launches Bitcoin-enabled gift card marketplace. Oh, I think I get the feel somehow. I think this is going to end up. Uh, being targeted by law enforcement. Just saying. Despite the progress that Bitcoin has made since its inception in filling the cavernous gaps in the financial system and providing relief to the world's underbanked, there are some areas where more growth is still desperately needed. But now, with a new service in addition to its legacy offerings, CoinFlip is addressing those areas of need on two fronts. CoinFlip already operated some 950 Bitcoin ATMs across the country, offering one of the most friction-free and critical entry points to BTC for those who are underserved by legacy financial institutions. Users can accrue BTC from CoinFlip's machines with as little as a Bitcoin wallet, mobile phone number, name, and whatever fiat cash that they want to invest. Bitcoin ATMs like CoinFlip's are one of the most critical ways that people around the world are accessing Bitcoin. And to complement this service, CoinFlip is now offering the sale of gift cards at major retailers in exchange for BTC through a partnership with eGifter. So not only can more underbanked people now invest in BTC through CoinFlip, but they can exchange that BTC for goods and services as well. Quote, CoinFlip is always looking to bring new crypto services to our customer base, which is primarily retail investors and people who are underserved by financial institutions, explained Dustin Way. CoinFlip's head of business development, quote, gift cards are a great way for our customers to actually spend their Bitcoin at the merchants that they choose. CoinFlip offers several different ways to buy Bitcoin, but this is the first time that we are offering a way for people to spend it. Though the ultimate objective for BTC would to be serve as truly digital cash, which can be spent anywhere for any kind of good or service, the adoption of Bitcoin has not yet reached this point. In the meantime, using gift cards as a bridge between Bitcoin and the vast majority of retailers is a popular solution that is helping to prove this use case. Bitcoin's ultimate goal is to become a currency, Way said. Today, Bitcoin is still not widely accepted, so gift cards are a great way, indirect or great indirect way, to actually spend your Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. We hope that Bitcoin will one day be used as a direct currency for goods and services. Uh, okay, so we're going to end it there. There's a, a, a couple of more talks about, you know, that they've, you know, they're offering stuff through like Adidas and the Apple App Store, Target and stuff like that. But you, you get the drill. Now, here, here's this it. <clears throat> this is going to be looked at by law enforcement heavily to the point that if it gets too far out of hand, you could see major registration regulations come in to being able to just purchase a gift card, present ID, have it copied be verified just to buy, you know, a Dunkin' Donuts $100, you know, gift card so that you can go get coffee. All right. So I suspect that that's probably in the cards. But what's what's good about this is uh, that CoinFlip understands that this is sort of temporary. And I think that they're probably looking at it as a temporary solution in the right way insofar as that they too probably understand that this is going to lead to you being regulated out the ass for just purchasing a Dunkin' Donuts coffee card. I mean, come on. The exchange attempting to bring DeFi to Bitcoin. Please don't. But we're going to worry about it from BTC Times. 
And who's writing it? God, good God Almighty. Oh, Shara Malwa is writing this one sometime when? I don't know. Probably yesterday, in fact. TDEX, a non-custodial exchange that utilizes the Liquid Network, is now open for early access and aims to tap into the burgeoning peer-to-peer trading space for all liquid assets as per a release shared with the BTC Times. Built by development and consulting firm Seven Labs, TDEX uses atomic swaps, a special smart contract for transfers without counterparty risk, to instantly settle trades without an intermediary. The system is built on top of the T-Swap protocol, which enables users to perform swaps in an automated and pseudonymous fashion. Quote, we take advantage of the Bitcoin UTXO model and the underlying capability of elements-based network to perform automated swaps Without the need for a trusted third party, explained Simona McCarthy, I can't pronounce that name, Chief Operating Officer at Seven Labs. TDEX supports all Liquid assets as part, as, the, as part of the Open Alpha launch at press time. Liquid is a sidechain-based settlement network for traders and exchanges that enable fast and confidential transactions, as well as the issuance of digital assets. The Liquid network was brought to life by Bitcoin infrastructure firm Blockstream, lizard people, and is maintained by Federation of Financial Institutions. Seven Labs joined the Federation as a member in July. By choosing to develop TDEX on top of the Liquid Network, Seven Labs opted for the novel solution over the often utilized platform Ethereum. Seven Labs CEO Claudio Leverini is convinced of Liquid's architecture as a viable alternative to known options. Quote, You have the functionaries at the heart of the network that are run by well-known enterprises. These businesses have technical expertise and clear initiatives or incentives, ensuring the reliability of the network's operation. Blockstream CEO Dr. Adam Back added, Liquid is arguably as decentralized, if not more decentralized, in practice than most altcoins. He added, however... Where things get interesting is Liquid also has stronger privacy and cryptographic fungibility, making it harder for third parties to track amounts or asset types or even distinguish payments from change due to Liquid's confidential transactions. Both the Liquid Network and TDEX projects are available open source for the community to build upon and create their own implementations. This aspect, noted back, positioned TDEX among the many DeFi solutions emerging on Liquid, or as we like to call it, Li-Fi, Adam Back signed off. Yeah, I'm not excited. I'm just not. DeFi in general, I mean, it all it makes it just makes liquidity available for swapping coins and tokens and bullshit on uh, on exchanges. That's all I can, as far as I can tell. That's all it does. It because it doesn't actually produce anything except wealth to people who can call the top and bottom, which are very, very few. Uh, it's, it's just, for me, it's, this whole thing is just a vehicle for people to lose their money, but what, whatever. Now, on the other side of the Blockstream story is this. They launch a new wallet. <clears throat> it's a new Bitcoin and liquid wallet. This was Shara Malwa writing on September the 26th. Bitcoin infrastructure company Blockstream announced the launch of the Aqua wallet earlier today as per a release shared with the BTC Times. The wallet marks the second mobile wallet project under Blockstream's umbrella after the firm acquired Green Address in 2016. Aqua will initially be available on iOS and support Bitcoin as well as many other liquid assets. Liquid is, well, we already know what liquid is, but let's just move on. Samson Mao, the chief strategy officer at Blockstream, commented, 
on the launch that Aqua is designed for anyone to quickly get started with Bitcoin and liquid assets. From the scrolling home screen, Aqua gives you access to all of your Bitcoin, liquid Bitcoin, Tether, LCAD, Light Night game tokens, and any other assets available on the liquid network. Sending and receiving assets in Aqua is made as smooth as possible and does does away with without complicated features, the release stated. Notably, Aqua users will be able to skip the recovery phrase backup set step during the wallet creation process and opt to write down their 12-word recovery phrase at a later point in time. Yikes. Don't like that part. Users can also purchase Bitcoin directly within the app using a debit card or Apple Pay. That's cool. Aqua is built... Upon the years of fantastic work from the Blockstream Green team, said Lawrence Nahum, chief architect at Blockstream, the Green Development Kit, or the GDK, provided us with a secure, reliable foundation for the production of Aqua. The Aqua Wallet is a fully open source, making it available to all Liquid Federation members who oversee and maintain the Liquid Network to offer a branded wallet experience and use the Aqua code base for fast deployments. Blockstream said it will continue to develop Aqua alongside Blockstream Green. Quote, Aqua caters to casual Bitcoin users that want to keep things as simple as possible. Blockstream Green will support all major operating systems while Aqua will be mobile only. Okay, that's good. I I, I kind of like that. I'm not really all that thrilled with the writing down your seed later. That's going to get people into trouble, but it is what it is. And chances are good that the people that are going to go for this wallet are, are going to have enough, you know, they're, they're going to understand enough. This is probably not going to be a newbie wallet because Liquid is sort of like not exactly the most well, well-known thing in the world, right? It's not like, it's not, I hate to say it, but it's not like Ethereum. Okay. Americas are warming up to a digital dollar. Oh God, please tell me that you're not this stupid. Andrew Hayward is writing this for Decrypt.co sometime on the 28th. The percentage of Americans interested in U.S. digital dollar has nearly doubled in the last year, according to Genesis Mining. An official, government-backed United States digital dollar might still seem like a far-off possibility despite some chatter in Congress earlier this year and over the summer, but a new survey suggests Americans want this stuff. Yeah, all they're going to do is print it, print it out of existence. Genesis Mining, a large-scale Bitcoin mining operation with facilities in Iceland and Sweden, recently released the results of a survey conducted in July with 400 Americans, each of which was asked questions about the U.S. Federal Reserve banking and other related topics. According to the survey, nearly 25% of respondents believed that the United States should replace the dollar with the digital dollar, while about 15% said they didn't know, and 60% said no. While still a minority of people with that belief, it's nearly double the 13.3% who responded yes to the same question in Genesis Mining's 2019 survey. Furthermore, 48.3% of respondents said that they do not believe that the United States will still use physical money in 100 years, while only 26.8% replied yes. Additionally, 87.3% of those surveyed said that they had heard of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, and in a separate question, some 35% said that crypto is an interesting idea that may have potential, but too early to tell. Elsewhere, the survey suggests a gulf in understanding how the U.S. dollar and Federal Reserve actually work today. For example, when asked what the U.S. dollar is backed by, 28.5% of those survey replied gold, but the dollar hasn't been tied to gold since 1971. WTF, bro. And asked who is responsible 
for creating more U.S. dollars, just 58.8% of respondents correctly said that it was the Federal Reserve. Genesis Mining also surveyed perceptions about banks and found that banks compared favorably to every other noted cultural institutions, whether it's the police, 71 to 29, Congress, 89% to 11%, the media, 87.5 to 12.5%, or lawyers, 76.5 to 23.5%. Cultural institution, okay, whatever. In short, based on the results of the survey, Americans apparently love banks, hate Congress, and the media above all, and are gradually warming up to the idea of a centralized digital dollar and the end of cash. Uh, Wait till they start hating banks too, man, that's coming. The Bitcoin awareness game, spreading the word about BTC, which we all should be doing, by the way. I mean, I'm I'm putting up stickers at at a campus, you know, in like heavily trafficked areas, like right by sidewalks. I'm throwing like, you know, old uh, cards that I got at, uh, at big at Bitblock Boom 2020 out on like, you know, tables at, in student lounges in business, uh, the business school, computer engineering, um, regular engineering. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, natural sciences, you name it, man. I'm, I'm like, I'm throwing these things everywhere I can. But Scott Cipollini is going to tell us about another way to do this. On September the 28th, he wrote it for Decrypt.co and says the Bitcoin awareness game is an initiative that encourages people to share Bitcoin stickers, signs, and its logo around the world, a move destined or designed to spread awareness of the cryptocurrency on a global level. The crypto space has poured a lot of effort into mainstreaming digital assets. Attempts range from accepting international standards on money laundering to offering Ethereum NFTs based on Hollywood blockbusters. Now, Bitcoiners have their own intuitive strategy to spread the word of crypto's marquee asset, street art. Quote, we receive pictures from all over the world from Bitcoiners who want to earn some Satoshis for spreading the word about Bitcoin. Pretty Flacco, the pseudonymous organizer of the Bitcoin awareness game, told Decrypt. I need to send him the picture of the sticker that I put up. According to the organizer, the Bitcoin awareness game also takes Bitcoin's relationship with art to another level. Other Bitcoin artists have joined us, the Bitcoin awareness game, with their designs that before were confined either to the internet or sold to private collectors, adding that public places are the best place for art where everyone can see it. The aim of the Bitcoin awareness game is simple, to buy or print the group stickers and spread them across public places around the world in order to help grow Bitcoin's global presence. But it's not a thankless task. Participants are awarded for their efforts. According to Pretty Flacco, more than 1.5 million Satoshis, the smallest unit of Bitcoin, have been awarded to participants from Germany, the U.S., Romania, and New Zealand, just to name a few. Contributors can receive these Satoshi rewards uh, either through microlancer.io or BTC Street Art's Telegram channel. One of the goals of the community is to promote Bitcoin's reputation. Many people haven't heard of Bitcoin. What's worse, those who have heard of Bitcoin enter one of the many misconceptions. Bitcoin is dead. It's money tool for criminals. It'll never work. The list goes on and on. The organizer said to encourage a better image for the famed crypto asset. Some participants have even come up with their own iterations of Bitcoin art, sending their creations to the BTC Street Art Twitter account where the pictures are shared publicly. I love that account. If you're not following BTC Street Art, please do so. At the very least, 
The Bitcoin awareness game is designed to get people who aren't in the crypto community engaged with the asset. If five of 10 actually start thinking about what they are reading on that sticker, that's a great result, Pretty Flocko added. However, sometimes these efforts generate some unexpected reactions. The Bitcoin awareness game has proven popular around the world, but not all of those outside the crypto community appreciate the narrative, or God, the initiative. According to Pretty Flocko, there have been accusations of vandalism on Twitter. This, in turn, can be dependent on culture rather than an opposition to Bitcoin itself. Quote, South America has a very vibrant street art culture. So does Germany and other parts of Europe. In Japan, on the other hand, street art is frowned upon and submissions have been very few, the anonymous Twitter admin of BTC Street Art told Decrypt. And yet they remain gently optimistic. The organizer added, quote, we do not think about the pushback, really. We are moving forward. We are claiming the only free space left in societies, the space of art. And, you know, and even I'm like, when I was putting up that sticker, I mean, I'm putting it up on state property. I'm literally vandalizing state property. I don't think it's vandalism, but if I straight up look at the law in the worst and hardest and most strict application of that law, I'm actually committing an act of vandalism. Do I give a shit? Not really. Because ultimately, it's not like I'm spray painting the thing. If they really want the sticker off, they can peel it off and then hit it with some cleaner and get the glue off. It's not that big of a deal. It's not like I'm painting an entire wall with 1,200 cans of, of you know, spray paint. Okay, So I'm going to continue doing what I do. I just need a steady supply of stickers. If anybody wants to send me a whole bunch of stickers, DM me and we'll, we'll, we'll talk. Okay, now, oh, that, oh, let's, you know what? Let's run the numbers. Futures. It's the future of money and it's all down. Now, except for indices, which are relatively sideways, but commodities or energy, let's look at energy right now. It's pretty much down. Uh, West Texas Intermediate is down half a point. Brent North Sea is down almost half a point. Natural gas doing its thing by going down 2.6 percentage points. Good Lord. Uh, gold, it, gold, however, is up. Silver is up and platinum is up. Gold is going to cost you on futures price right now sitting at 1895 Silver is at $24. Bucks. Uh, index futures, Dow futures are up. Uh, actually, this is going to be sideways on open probably. We're looking at the Dow futures being up 0.01. S&P is the same. S&P uh, mid, uh, the S&P mini is up almost as, no, actually the S&P mini is up 0.1. NASDAQ futures is down almost a fifth. So yeah, you do what you want. Real money. We have Bitcoin at a price of 10,780. Yes, the BART pattern was completed sometime while I was asleep. So there's that. Uh, 780, let's see, 10,780 is going to be mid bit asset has the high at 10,792. We've got a low at Coinbase pro at $10,773, 314,000 transactions were performed in the last 24 hours. That's about 13,000 transactions on average per hour with 2.4 million BTC being sent in that 24 hour period. It means that 100,000 BTC are being sent on average per hour. 
the average transaction value is 7.65 BTC. The median transaction value is higher at 0.052 BTC or about $563. Block times have, have risen precipitously. We are now at 11 minutes, 10 seconds. 0.56 BTC are being taken in fees on a per block basis and 72.3 BTC have been taken in fees overall. We have had a 13% drop in hash rate and we are now at 131.4 exahashes per second. Ethereum is at 357, Bcash at 227, BSV at 169, Litecoin at 45.5, Ethereum Classic at 5.5, Dogecoin at 0.0027. With 42,000 transactions in the last 24 hours, Doge beats out Ethereum Classic and Bcash. Litecoin is still holding strong at 154,000 transactions in the last 24 hours. Clark Moody has a price of $10,762 for Bitcoin. We have 1,112 BTC in the Lightning Network. That's about $12 million in liquidity spread across 7,555 nodes, representing 37,374 channels. 49.7% is the percentage of Tor capacity, and that puts 553.4 BTC squarely into the Tor side of the Lightning Network, and that's going to be running over 2,458 nodes. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to round two of the morning roundup. $30 million maker Dow Black Thursday lawsuit has been sent to arbitration. Samuel Haig writing it for Cointelegraph sometime early this morning. A court has agreed with the Maker Ecosystem Growth Foundation that a class action lawsuit over its, quote, Black Thursday meltdown should enter into arbitration proceedings. The Maker Foundation filed this motion to compel arbitration in response to a lawsuit filed by MakerDAO user Peter Johnson in April after he suffered a six-figure loss as a result of the protocol becoming under-collateralized in March. In a September 25th order, Judge Maxine Chesney found that the American Arbitration Association must determine whether Johnson's claim fall within the scope of the arbitration clause included in Dye's Terms of Service that the investor agreed to in 2018. Maker argued that Johnson is in violation of the terms he agreed to, stating, quote, In bringing this putative class action, plaintiff ignores his promise to pursue his claims through arbitration, failing to mention the arbitration agreement to which he aff- affirmatively agreed, end quote. The court rejected Johnson's counterargument, which described Maker's inv- invocation of the 2018 agreement for an outdated, now-abandoned product as an opportunistic ploy to sidestep litigation. The case has been stayed until the arbitration proceedings have been concluded, vacating the upcoming hearing scheduled for October the 2nd. The MakerDAO protocol allows users to mint the stablecoin DAO against Ether, deposits at a margin of up to 75%, and sets a liquidation price to ensure that the collateral held by the protocol exceeds the outstanding DAI supply. When the price of ETH fell more than 50% in less than two days during mid-March, hundreds of MakerDAO users faced total liquidations as the protocol became under-collateralized. Johnson filed the lawsuit on April the 14th, claiming that DAI's terms of service had deliberately misrepresented the structure of the MakerDAO protocol to downplay the risks associated with using the protocol. 
The lawsuit seeks nearly $30 million in damages. Uh, you know, at one point or another, people are going to learn not to dabble in this stuff. <coughs> Pardon me. I mean, this is just ridiculous. Good God Almighty. And it gets worse because Joseph Young, writing for Cointelegraph, tells us that soaring decentralized exchange volumes suggest that the DeFi craze is not over yet. God. And when if it ever does become over, it's going to be NFTs, and then it's going to be personal coin tokens and whatever. Uniswap. The most widely used decentralized exchange on Ethereum has seen explosive growth throughout the second quarter. In fact, less than a month ago, Uniswap's trading volume surpassed Coinbase Pro as the exchange processed $426 million worth of trades in a 24-hour span. Throughout 2019, the decentralized finance market was relatively stagnant until the concept of yield farming and governance tokens became more popular. Yield farming is a process where investors utilize various DeFi protocols that generate high yield in exchange for providing liquidity. Yeah, I really wish they'd make the end of that sentence. Liquidity for what? Continue. In most cases, the yield comes from the value of the governance token, and in addition to staking the DeFi token, users also deposit cryptocurrencies like Ether. And as an example, Yearn.Finance launched without any pre-mine, Unlike many DeFi-related tokens, instead, users stake crypto assets to farm Wi-Fi in its early days, allowing, what, what, three weeks ago? Allowing for the decentralized distribution of Wi-Fi. <coughs> the model became widely known and more attractive when Compound and its governance token launched. <coughs> Sorry, we got smoke coming in from California fires, I think. It's causing some all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, governance token comp launched after comps successful launch the DeFi market saw a significant spike in the emergence of governance tokens consequently many users hoping to either earn lucrative yields reaching as high as 35,000 percent or purchase the next wi-fi token started to buy and sell governance tokens from decentralized exchanges the advantage of uniswap over major centralized exchanges is that users do not have to wait for token listings this is going to come to buy it. On Uniswap, users put up liquidity and create their own token pairs, which enables DeFi users to trade new tokens. <laughs> the overwhelming demand to buy and sell DeFi governance tokens caused Uniswap to gain popularity over centralized exchanges within DeFi. As such, compared to other decentralized exchanges, Uniswap saw parabolic growth from July to September. Currently, the decentralized crypto exchange market processed around $20 billion a month and the vast majority of the monthly volume comes from Uniswap. In the last 12 months, decentralized exchanges facilitated $44.6 billion in trades, and with October approaching, the market is on track to process half of that, depicting the rapid growth of the space. As Cointelegraph reported, Uniswap released its own governance token called Uni, and the exchange took a rather unique approach to distributing the token. Rather than the staking model, Uniswap airdropped all of its users 400 uni, and at its peak, the tokens were worth roughly $3,200. The launch of the governance token is critical for Uniswap's sustainability, and the official documentation allocates 17.6% of the token supply to the team. But it is vested over four years. It doesn't matter. 
The allocation ensures stable development and maintenance of the Uniswap protocol while also allowing the community to lead the protocol's governance. The document reads, quote, a community-managed treasury opens up a world of infinite possibilities. We hope to see a variety of experimentation, including ecosystem grants and public goods funding, both of which can foster additional Uniswap ecosystem growth. And I just call bullshit. Vested over four years. You can't prove that it's locked. You can't prove that the 17.6% of the token supply is locked in a fashion that would satisfy me that there's no access in four years to those tokens. I call bullshit, 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 and the bullshit just piles up. Ocean Protocol forks to retrieve tokens stolen from the KuCoin exchange. September the 28th, we have this one out of William Foxley at Coindesk.com. Artificial intelligence and data service Ocean Protocol has suspended its old contract on contract on the Ethereum blockchain and hard forked its project following the $150 million KuCoin hack. On Sunday at 2200 UTC, Ocean Protocol announced it had migrated from its old token address to a new one to thwart the KuCoin hackers' attempts to offload 21 million Ocean tokens worth some $8.6 million. According to a September 27th blog post from the Ocean Protocol team, quote, a new contract was instantiated reflecting the balances of Ocean as a block high as of block height 10943665 on the Ethereum mainnet. The new smart contract will allocate stolen token balances to an address which will be held in trust in Singapore for persons affected by the theft. Oh, how nice. End quote. Moving contract addresses. <laughs> excuse me. Moving contract addresses has effectively blacklisted the hacker stash of Ocean tokens, but it also raises questions about the project's true immutability if the protocol can be effectively hard forked in one weekend. It's not immutable at all. That's pretty much all you need to know. Prior to the hard fork, the hacker offloaded some 330 Ocean tokens worth 120 grand, according to the block head of research, Larry Cermak. Ocean Protocol has a liquid supply of a shit ton of Ocean tokens with a maximum supply of 1.4 billion Ocean. Singapore-based KuCoin was hacked on Friday. The hacker gained access to the platform's hot wallet keys and says KuCoin CEO Johnny Liu. Liu said that the platform intends to cover for hacked losses with insurance funds. Ocean's price fell as much as 8% from 39 cents per token to 36.5% or cents per token as the hacker sold the stolen coins in tranches of 10,000 coins. According to CoinGecko, he or she then moved on to other holdings, including Comp, SNX, and Link after the contract was paused. The hacker swapped stolen ERC-20 tokens for Ether, the native currency of the Ethereum blockchain. These swaps have largely been facilitated by Uniswap, a popular decentralized exchange, DEX, due to novel liquidity model that reduces price slippage. The Ocean Protocol did not return questions for comments at press time. Okay, what does it mean? It means if, if, you, hold, if you held Ocean or hold Ocean right now, you have no control over your coins. You have absolutely no guarantees that you wake up tomorrow and the whole thing is just over. And on what planet do you need to exist where you feel safe that way? I don't know because the BS actually gets deeper. Shay, well, I can't pronounce this name. Said Fadiza Pasik 
September the 28th writes for CryptoNews.com, the KuCoin hack shows the key difference between altcoins and Bitcoin. Unprecedented moves by altcoins in the aftermath of the KuCoin hack show the old adage, not your keys, not your coins. This might be true in the case of decentralized cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin only. As reported, following several abnormal transactions first noted on September the 25th, KuCoin experienced a leakage of its private keys tied with its hot wallets, which resulted in a hack of millions of USD worth of customer funds. Per an update by the KuCoin team, with the release of additional suspicious addresses, it now seems that there has been more than $200 million, that's U.S. dollars, in funds lost, and it could go higher if such addresses are revealed. With the updates also revealed is that a number of projects have swapped, frozen, invalidated, or otherwise interfered with their tokens as well as token transfers. Such activities include, now here's where your ears need to pick up. This is a bullet list, so here we go. Ampleforth disabled transfers from the attacker. Tether froze a total of 22 million USDT tokens. VIDT froze 14.5 million tokens. Covesting has frozen 3.12 million tokens. Velo Labs has redeployed and replaced each of the Velo tokens transferred to the suspicious addresses, Silent Notary reissued new SNTR and replaced 78.9 billion affected SNTR tokens. Noya Network, uh, via a new smart contract, replaced the 81 million Noya that was affected. Aleph is reissuing their tokens via a new smart contract. Orion has completed a complete token swap of 3.82 million tokens. Uh, Cardia Chain is completing a token swap, and Opacity is accelerating their planned token swap. None of this is owned by you. Not a single one of these things is owned by you. You cannot be assured that you're the only component in that relationship that can vector those tokens to where you want them to go. They will either be deleted, they, uh, they will be swapped with new tokens. You are, you are in the worst kind of danger you could possibly be in. This is not investing advice, but it damn well should be because if you're into this thing, you're going to get freaking hosed. Could tax-free Bitcoin be one of 2020's hottest trends as the U.S. Internal Revenue Service continues to clamp down on crypto? One trading platform allows consumers to gain exposure to Bitcoin on a tax-free basis. This is Connor Blinkensop writing for Cointelegraph sometime early this morning. I Trust Capital allows Americans to gain exposure to the world's biggest cryptocurrency through a self-directed individual retirement account, otherwise known as an IRA. These vehicles allow owners to get involved in a diverse array of alternative investments such as digital assets, precious metals, and real estate. According to the trading platform, increasing numbers of investors have been moving their current retirement accounts out of traditional financial institutions that usually only offer stocks and bonds. Interest in cryptocurrencies has been buoyed by a number of high-profile advertising campaigns of late, grayscale, and some have started to view Bitcoin as a safe haven against inflation and mass sell-offs in the equities market. There's also another factor at play, the IRS... Well, the Internal Revenue Service's determination to clamp down on cryptocurrencies, I trust, says 
that the message is clear. Quote, there is no excuse for investors to not track, report, and pay taxes on every single crypto transaction unless it's in a tax-free self-directed IRA. Anthony Bertolino, the company's director of customer experience, explained, quote, buying and selling in an iTrust Capital account feels very similar to using Coinbase. You simply log in and trade in just three clicks. What separates us apart is that our users don't have to worry about taxes because our, our accounts are IRAs. iTrust Capital believes that tax-free options will only become more popular as increasing numbers of investors begin to explore what the likes of Bitcoin have to offer. The company says this approach delivers comparable advantages to investing in crypto normally, but without as much hassle to reduce the barriers to entry even further. The company also gives its clients institutional wallet custody and security through Curve, a business that sets the standard for digital asset security. Uh, Quote, we chose Curve because securing our clients' funds is paramount. By eliminating the private key from the transaction entirely and relying on math instead of hardware, we ensure that no person or piece of software can make a transaction on its own. Yikes. I'm going to just go ahead and end that one right there. Uh, that, the whole deletion of private key in lieu of math. So you're deleting math in lieu of math. Yeah. Not really excited about that. However, if they are a registered IRA in the United States and they're able to purchase Bitcoin and allow their customers to do so, that's actually good news. I, I like that. I don't have a problem with that. But as far as laws and stuff go, California governor signs a law bringing state new tools to regulate crypto. Uh, As if you didn't hate your economy enough, Sebastian Sinclair is writing this for Coindesk.com. The California department responsible for the regulation of financial services will soon have more powers to supervise the cryptocurrency industry. Here's a bullet point list. California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill into state law on Friday that will see the California Department of Business Oversight renamed as the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation. The bill, AB 1864, introduced by lead author Assemblywoman Monique Limon, who's from a Democrat from Santa Barbara, on January the 7th will go into effect on January 1st, 2021. The changes will equip the regulator with new tools to shape the regulation of virtual currency, the department's commissioner, Manuel, Manuel Alvarez, told Coindesk via email. The new California Consumer Financial Protection Law will, among other things, provide the department with greater enforcement powers designed to protect Californians from pandemic-inspired scams, as per a Friday release. <laughs> the move means the department will have new regulatory authority to begin cracking down on deceptive or abusive practices undertaken by unlicensed financial services or products by the new law, or sorry, but the new law will also see the creation of the Office of Financial Technology Innovation designed to engage with new industries and consumer advocates to encourage consumer-friendly innovation and job creation within the state. In addition, a new division of consumer financial protection will be created to monitor markets with a research arm that will <clears throat> keep up with merging financial products such as cryptocurrencies. With the expansion of the department, 90 additional employees will be added to the government payroll, representing a 13% increase in staffing. The legislation would allow his department to increase consumer protections without hamstringing honest and fair operations, Alvarez said. Yeah, again, Newsom really hates his his 
his state's economy because this is, you know, this is just going to go south. Anyway, that's, that's going to do it for the morning roundup. The Daily Trainwreck is brought to you by Andre Cronje at Andre Cronje Tech. As I am receiving a fair amount of threats, I have asked Yearn Treasury to assist with refunding the $8 million the hacker sent. The multi-sig is safer, and as such, I feel more comfortable with them having the funds. Funds will be returned to holders pre-hack snapshot. Yeah, if you didn't see the whole uh, Emin coin thing yesterday, strap in for yet more stupid. Uh, Urine finance foray into gaming multiverse results in a $15 million contract hack. Martin Young, writing for Crypto Potato sometime early this morning. Yearn finance founder Andre Cronje has been busy conjuring up new concepts to bring DeFi to the masses and his latest brainchild, is an ecosystem called Eminence, which targets the gaming world. Gaming tokens and economies have been tried before with the likes of Engine Coin and a couple of others. The latest non-fungible token NFT craze has also brought gaming back into the frame as they can be used to buy and sell items and collectibles for game or for in use or God for use in game. In a tweet posted today, J gave little away but stated that he had finished the concept behind the new gaming multiverse's economy. He added that the smart contracts had been deployed on Ethereum, but the system is still weeks away. Within hours of those contracts being deployed, they've already been exploited. The NFT-focused Eminence platform had attracted around $15 million from FOMO-fueled DGENs piling into the untested an unverified EMN protocol. When Cronjay was woken a few hours later, he discovered that the contracts had been exploited for the full $15 million, and the hacker bizarrely sent $8 million back into his Yearn Deployer account. That's Cronjay's Yearn Deployer account. So the hacker sent Cronjay $8 million. God, that's... Cronje stated that he would refund the $8 million following several threats. He added that using the multi-signature wallet is safer and he felt more comfortable with them having the funds. Cronje also stated that the contracts he deployed yesterday were purely for himself to engage with and both GIL and EMN are staging and will not be used. His latest tweet stated that he was still intent on developing imminence and is still deploying contracts but advised waiting for an official announcement as Half of them may still have vulnerabilities. And his, his tweet here says, I am still building Eminence Phi. Yeah, Eminence Phi. I love the metaverse and the meta economy. I am also going to continue deploying test contracts. I have over 100 deployed contracts, of which probably more than half have vulnerabilities. Please wait for official announcements. Uh, so it was brought to my attention. I can't remember by who. Let's see if I can find it. I'm probably not going to be able to find it. Oh, uh, come on. Who come on? Who sent sent this to me? Somebody sent this to me. Yes. Uh, J. Ron, Ron Kane. Uh, that was Juha Ron Kanane. I can't. I'm sorry, Juha. I'm mispronouncing your name. 
but he, he made me aware of Andre Cronje's bio in his Twitter account. It literally says in his bio, I test in prod. What that means is I test in production. That's, that's his bio. Jeez. Telling you, man, you guys, you guys got to stay away from this. So the Yearn Finance native token Wi-Fi dumped 10% as the news broke and has fallen to 26,300 according to CoinGecko since its all-time high on September the 13th. Wi-Fi has lost 40%. Stay away from this. If you don't stay away from this, I can't, I, 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 I cannot help you. I just, I can't. And dude, just next time we tell you to stay away from something, please stay away from it. Need to trust us at one point. Okay. All right. Now, one joke deserves another joke. Dad says, joke says, forgive me, father, pastor, vicar, padre, priest, for I have synonymed. That was a good, bad joke. And I am out of here. I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.